Hi everyone and welcome back to this week's episode of Casual Watch Talk. We've got somewhat of a special today. Over on the live stream, I was lucky enough to interview Mike Pearson of Zodiac Watches and it was such a good interview that I thought it would be great as a bonus episode for the podcast. The audio won't be as crisp as the normal podcast because this was a live stream but we were also joined by Ricky at Scottish Watches and I was also joined by my co-host on the live stream, Jason from watchrolling.com. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Casual Watch Talk Live. Well, we have a, a special guest, Jason and I. But let's do a quick introductions. I'm joined by Jason, my co-host, and we're joined by Michael Pearson of Zodiac Watches. Thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you very much. Yeah, and thank you. And welcome to Dallas and in the office. It's You asked for a quiet space and everyone's gone home. So this is the quietest I could find. And a fourth introduction as well. Let me just add him into the stream. We're joined by Ricky from Scottish Watches. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Mike. How's it going? You again. Me again. <laughs> How you doing, mate? I, I thought I'd force my way in here. Not too bad. You're you're letting the side down. You don't have a blue light in the background. What's going on? <laughs> I, put up, I put up these banners so you didn't see just a cubicle. So I, I did something at least. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, but it's, what are you? Why aren't you in bed? It's very late where you are. I was staying up especially for you, like oh, the Kayla and Jason song. It's great to see you. <laughs> well, should, we do a, uh, should we do a bit of a wristwatch check, oh. shall we? Well, uh, Mike, do you want to kick us off with uh, what you're wearing? Sure, yeah, I, I've got uh, the Olympus uh, limited edition that we did with uh, oh, One Wow. Let me do your solo so you can... Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Very nice. So this is the 40mm uh, limited edition that we did with One and Wow. Um, it's got the STP 1-11 movement, our in-house movement. Um, the manta ray case is a very sorry, misunderstood or maybe unknown part of the uh, the Zodiac collection, but it's been around since the 60s. Um, really wonderful case shape, very, very unique. Um, I've, I've got some of the, the vintage ones with me, with me as well. But when Warren and Wound came in and did this particular one, they wanted to make it look vintage um, mid-century. And they did a great job. So they did a blue dial and they saw this kind of, I say it's like a brown, but with this, this green uh, olive uh, strap, I think it looks fantastic. So we yeah. went there gradient dial bang on trend yeah well that, yeah that was them yeah but uh, i think it looks really good they, well done zach and co <laughs> ricky do you want to go next yeah um i'm wearing a mike what the hell is this thing you tell that them you the, know more about these than i do super sea wolf compression the, yeah, super sea wolf compression yes that's the 40 millimeter version again stp 1-11 on the jubilee bracelet um but i went nice and smart for, for ricky to send him something to have a look at but i think he likes it that's very cool. nice indeed. It's the first time I've seen you in it as well. It looks great. Oh, Jason. Well, that's because the lights are always off when you see me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. Pearson. J- Jason, what have you what have you got? I'm wearing my Zodiac Zulu Oscar nine two zero nine Super Seawolf. The oh, special nice. edition that was done. Yep, in the military PXs and exchanges. Awesome. I've got oh, um what well, I've got a couple of watches. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna do a a bit of a. I'm wearing my 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 date just my little green date just there. Well but uh, Mike, I've got a bit of a trivia for you. I've got my wife's watch collection, which consists of one lady's date just with a pearl mother of pearl dial diamonds around the the bezel there. Beautiful. Next up, we have a a gorgeous ladies' seamaster uh, mm-hmm. mother of pearl dial again. And then we have a circa 2008 ladies' fossil watch. Now, which one do you think had more wrist time? 
based off of my relationship with my wife, who never has not worn any of the brands that I've ever worked for, who wears an iPad, an iWatch. I'm sure it's that one in your hand right there. It is, yeah. She now wears an Apple Watch, but the Fossil Watch definitely. So I'm anyway. trying to imprint my uh, love of uh, of uh, nice watches, and uh, she does she does wear the she, she does wear the Seamaster. But hey, um, they have a place, Sam, and I'm in yeah. I'm in the house of Fossil now. <laughs> yeah, oh, she absolutely loves it. it she, she absolutely loves it. We've had the the battery replaced many times at the at the I'm store. Sure. So yeah, I wanted to show you that because it was uh, the, one of the one of the very special memories with that watch. Well, it's a really unique view that I've got because I'm actually, we have four floors on the Fossil HQ and we've got all these brands that they either own or they license. This little cubicle area is where some of the Zodiac stuff happens. But I'm looking right now at the Fossil Corner and they have four built Fossil stores right in front of us. So it's quite surreal that you're saying it. And it's still quite strange for me to actually be in here. So it's good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, keep the questions coming for Mike in the comments section as we go down. I've been uh, I've been sent some in from a a, a, a collector of Zodiac watches. Okay. So, but Mike, do you want to give us a little bit of a of a brief for anybody that's not familiar with who you are, how you how you got started in watches, and how you ultimately ended up at Fossil Company on looking after Zodiac? Sure, Ricky's heard this now before, but um... <laughs> I'm going to go and have a sleep. Okay. Have a cup of tea for about fifteen minutes. You know how this goes. Now, so I've been around uh, the watch industry for about two thousand and five. Um, I was young and went traveling, went on a cruise ship, uh, believe it or not, just to kind of go and see the world. And I ended up meeting a girl. The easiest way to stay with her is to actually work for a company that was owned by Louis Vuitton, LVMH. And they own a very, very small company called Onboard Media. And what they did is they would tell people who came on cruise ships where to shop ashore, what to buy, what stores to go to, diamonds, Tanzanite, all that stuff, and a lot of T-shirts and a lot of tap. But there was also this brilliant way of selling watches. And back then in 2005-06, there was a, yeah, a, maybe the unknown world, maybe before the boom that we've all experienced over the last 20 years. But at that particular time, it was so new to me. My first watch was a Fossil. Then you go into Nike's sports watches, so on and so forth. But when I started to actually having to sell them, learn about them, it was, it was at that point that I started to really get addicted to them. I did that for a few years, actually, and ended up moving to America for that particular lady. That did not work out so well. Watches stuck with me. And I, was, uh, I started to work with a, a brand called Ernst Benz. Ernst Benz, a very, very small Swiss brand. It was ended up owned by um, an American-Russian family uh, in Michigan, where I moved to. And I was like, well, well, let's give me a credit card. Let's see what we can do. And uh, that was during 2008 when the world was on its knees. And it was when I really learned how to, to sell through a time when no one needed you, wanted you. And at a point where really no one really needed to see a new brand at that point as well. But I learned on the road. I learned very, very guerrilla style. And that gave me all the good habits and the bad that you had to wash out of you. And that led me invariably to uh, Bremont. Um, I met Nick and Giles in Switzerland at Basel who owned Bremont, and I said, I love what you're doing. This is British. I'm British. Can I help? Uh, can you help me get Ernst Benz into the UK? Maybe I know a few people in the US. And it ended up being uh, 10 years of my life after that conversation where I, I grew Bremont um, from just a little, a little seed into something that was quite special at the time through all of North America, uh, US, Canada, and the Caribbean. And yeah, it was, the, it was the proudest part of my professional life then. And I not only learned a lot, but also then, met all the friends that are within this industry and you know you, you start to I wouldn't say you've gained a reputation but because you've been around so many of the good people you know who to surround yourself with that, that, that make it fun make it safe and you know 
that's what they should be. They're only bloody watches. Uh, and I've met some brilliant people along the way who, you know, I'm very proud to call friends. Um, it got to the point where I, I met an, a lady that I ended up being my wife. We had a couple of kids and there was no room for Bremond. There was no room for watches. I just wanted to be a dad. So I took a turn They ended up pulling me back. Then COVID happened. That sucked. And so I ended up having to leave Bremond as well um, and ended up trying a few things. But one thing that really came from that is that I, I, I really started to know what I missed. Um, all the different brands that wanted me to come and join for them, which was really, really lovely and, and very, very humbling. It would have been the same conversations. It would have been the same retailers and the same price point, the same bracket. And I'd done that. I'd been there and I had no enthusiasm for it at all. And I just, like I said, wanted to be the best I could be at, at home. Yeah. It, it got to a point where I was um, consulting for about five to six different brands, small side, big side. And then Zodiac came along, the guy who was given the task by Fossil to reinvigorate the brand. His name's TJ McKnight. He saw that I bought a Zodiac from Top of Jewelers out in California. And he goes, oh, you're in Dallas. Let's chat. I'd love to talk. And I'm like, well, actually, that was about three weeks ago. I just moved to England. And he said, well, let's just keep talking. And that, those conversations grew and grew and grew to the point where he said, would you consider coming? And I says, probably not. And then it was, we'll stay and talk more. And then it became just the biggest part of my life in, in terms of the passion kind of was fueled again. I understood where the brand had been. I understand that hopefully the pitfalls. And then if you look at the individual parts of it, it has everything going for it. It has the movement, the history, the heritage, great designs and a hunger to be better. And one thing which I found out when I was talking more and more to TJ is it had backing from the group, from the Fossil group, from the guy who founded Fossil. And he wanted it to be the best it could be. And the way that I looked at it is he was the custodian or the brand, the, the group was the custodian to the name. And they just didn't quite know how to make it hopefully what I think it can be over the next five, 10 years. Uh, and so I, I joined and two weeks ago, after four or five months living in the UK and doing it remotely, I joined uh, the, the team here in the US as their international brand director, which basically means I touch different parts of the brand to, to hopefully stick it together and get this plan going. But that's Ta-da! <laughs> wow, that's quite that's quite the history. I think the shocker there is: Have I been saying Braemont wrong the whole time? Um, it it was a big thing back in the mid two thousands about how you really have to say. I always say, say how you bloody want, say it how you like. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it's it's supposed to be a French word, but the the way that the English brother would say is Bremont, um, but Braemont, Braemont. Yeah, Eng Americans and English, it doesn't matter. It's just a word. <laughs> it's just a word. I mean, I've always said Bremont. But that's just me. Well, when I um, when I asked around on on our Discord group and our Facebook group, I got some good questions from Zodiac fans. But before I uh, delve into them, Jason, did you have anything you wanted to to ask? Uh, just want to say hi to Ricky. Meet you the first time. Yeah. Hey there, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing? Uh, question for Mike. The only question I have is, you know, I'm kind of partial to the core line. Um, yeah. I understand Zodiac's heritage and. And a, a, a part of that was with the military stuff and my background in the military. And I know you probably can't go into detail, so I'm not, I don't want detailed answers, but I noticed that lately there's been a lot of fun stuff, fun colors. The, I call it the Miami Dolphin watch or the watermelon watch. Beautiful. Uh, made titanium. Super cool. The new one that just came out, I haven't come up with a good nickname for it. Maybe the, the Polar Express or something. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, yeah. Are, are there any plans to do anything with the Coraline? And you don't got to give me specifics, but to kind of 
because when I did my research for the reviews I did on this timepiece, I noticed that the closest uh, I could see was the 699 dial as being like the right. dial makeup. So I was just wondering, are there any plans to do anything with the core line that's harkens back to previous times or well, is that kind of not in the works? Well, the answer is obviously yes, but I would, I'll give you my precursor to it. Uh, Zodiac's got to this point in its development now, probably differently to what you've seen it. Um, I, I th I'm talking to obviously a watch collecting community and you know, you, the way that you look at the brand is probably similar to what I would as well. When I came to the brand, I first saw, um, actually there was a world timer, which is a really lovely um, homage piece to what they did in the seventies, but it was the Pepsi bezel kind of variation mm -hmm. of what they did with Topper Jewelers. And it was great color. It was really done well. It was a beautiful dial. But if you look to its past, it also came from a place of, of beauty. But what I knew of Zodiac and what a lot of the customers might know or the fans know of recent Zodiac are the colorways. Uh, and it's always that we own color or it's the colorful watch or the limited edition watch. And I always thought that that maybe overshadowed what the core was. Getting into the brand, getting into this office, you know, there's a couple of guys that would work with me, TJ included. Um, I think what we've, we've done get to, getting to this point and having this lovely hype behind us is, is really amazing. Um, but what they've done to, not to the detriment, but to the way that we haven't been able to grow the core or to the retail network is because we've done so many of these limited editions with Hadinki, Worn and Wound, Top of Jewelers. And they've been brilliant. But when they sell out and they sell out within hours, that some people will go, oh, well, that's the brand. We'll wait for the next limited. Where when I looked at it and I got into the office, I was looking at the Skin 53. I was looking at the type of watch that Ricky's got on his wrist. I was looking at the Olympus. And so what we did is we kind of looked around what we've got on the website, what we would, would say our core watch, what I would say is a core watch, and maybe get away from some of the mentality that a group like this might have in terms of seasonal changes. Mm -hmm. And so what we've built is a 25 to 30 piece core collection, which is existing now. But what they've done in the past is make 100, 200, 300 of these watches. And when they sell through, they change it up colorways. But with something like this, which is the Skin 53, which you know I can show you better mm -hmm. in, a, in a better uh, picture, but that is a direct reflection of what we did in 1953 with the Seawolf at the Basel Fair. That This is to celebrate the past. And so when someone says, what is Zodiac? I go to the core. And I think more and more as you, you, you'll come to the website, you'll come to the showcases that you know, when we start to open more stores, that's what you'll see. You'll see a better um, POS, um, which is what we call for a stand inside of a showcase. And that will you be You may want to explain what POS means. Point of sale. Yeah. So basically, when, no, thank you. Yes, yes. No, so point of sale. When you go into a store, it is really important that it reflects the brand. And for the longest time, we just didn't have the ability to, um, to, to give the retailer the amount of watches that they need. And so that's when people would go to the colorways. To your point now, this particular titanium one that you saw, this is a limited edition. Only 282 will be made. It's already sold out of Zodiac. It's in retailers or it's in with our partners. This one, though, the, the blue and white one, is a core watch. This is going to be a mm. core model. So what I want people to see is maybe sometimes past the color. Look at the bezel. Look at the bracelet. Understand what movement's on the inside. Look at the hands and the markers. That is a true reflection of Zodiac. The colors are what we've always done. You can look at some of the old Bakelite uh, bezels and some of the blues and reds and yeah. second hands. It was always colors within it. We have maybe just ex accentuated a little bit more, mm -hmm. but this type of colorway might not be for yourself, but when you know you see on my Instagram where you see some of the people that would wear it, this price shouldn't be that watch where oh, I'm gonna wear it forever. But if you are in a pair of board shorts or you're out in the nice bit of weather or you've got a short sleeve shirt, so throw a bit of color that way 
there's nothing wrong with it because if you look past the fashion aspect of maybe this group or some of the different watches you'll see and look within it and look at how the watch is designed, it's more than the color. So what we've got to get right over the next, especially 18 months, is that balance. Um, for the remainder of the year, you will see some fantastic colors. You will also see a little bit of a, not a flex, but in you know, we're 140 years old this year, but we haven't owned the brand for 140 years. So we're not doing a party. We're not having a cake. But this year, we are going to be able to say we can build Zodiac out of titanium. We've got another case material coming. We have dial materials, which are unheard of to be in the, the price points that we're going to make them with. And then as we get later into the year, you'll see, and especially in the early part of next year, you'll see some homage pieces, which will be true core, which will go back to maybe something that you'd have seen in the military, what I'd have wanted to see within the collection as a watch guy. And so we're going to try and get that balance right. But for any of the viewers, and you do see colors, please just know that sometimes we just want to have fun with it. Uh, but also that, that color may, might come from the past, but we are going to get that balance right. And, uh, but the colors won't, won't go away. We'll just try and pair them with a story, a size, a material that goes to the past. Yeah. Uh, nice. Oh, sorry, Sam. No, no, no. Um, we've got a we've got a good question that's coming from Todd. But I wanted to ask you, like, as we start out, as a watch collector, with I really like the different movements that come in watches, and I know we know ETA quite well. Some of mm. the in-house manufacturers quite well. Obviously, Rolex. But I'm least familiar with the movements that Fossil owns. So you don't call them in-house, but Fossil owns yeah. the company. And and the only thing I know about the movements is that they have that gooseneck regulation system, which I think at the time was quite unique or they might have invented it. But what's the what's the short pitch on the actual movements? Because I don't think a lot of people are overly familiar with the with the <sighs> movements that are in these watches. Well, for a decade with Bramon the biggest conversation for a lot of our collectors is the movement. You know, they were highly modified, ETA, chronometer certified, value, fantastic. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of how you put it together, how you decorate it. But for Bramon, it was always how it was surrounded. Um, with any of the brands that I talked about that were not um, in-house movements, and it was ETA, Salita, or some of the more lesser known movements, the conversation was always why. Well, my answer was always, why not? Because these movements were built to last. They are workhorses and they've been there around for years. They've powered some of the biggest watches in the industry. So why can't they be part of maybe the smaller, uh, more um, more diverse collections or, or, or brands that are out there? Thing is, though, with, with Zodiac, when, when we took the brand on in the early 2000s, and this is me going back into the archives, there's some cabinets back there that have followed some very colorful uh, watches, shall we say, that have the Zodiac logo on them. And I think very quickly they understood that this was not how you replicate or look after a brand that's as old or as important as what Zodiac is in historical standpoints. So Fossil invested millions in STP. STP was not there just for Fossil, but it was for the group. Um, and so, but obviously, obviously today's day and age, what you see within Zodiac and our development and where we're going, it's for us. And so when we say it's in-house, it's in our house. There's, there's so many ways to look at it and not you know, be controversial. The watches are made with the movements in the same area, at the same place, and they're built bespoke for what we're building. Um, yeah, so, and about 70% of the Zodiac collection have the STP movement. In a, in, a, in a very, very long answer short, it is built so we can control it. Um, we have a few watches that have got Salita within them, which are incredible, but there's a waiting list a mile long. Um, ETA, there was no chance of us getting on that list. Um, and so uh, with our GMTs, we use Soprod. But every single time we've grown, and this is 
today I can tell you this. Like for example, our GMT and our world timer are modified with Soprod. Um, but in the next year, we will replace that with an STP movement. Um, we've got within our pro divers, uh, the Salita, but we've you know, chronometer certified and ISO certified this dive watch. In the end, that will go to STP. So what we've built is a really, really strong base. Uh, the gooseneck was a massive uh, leap forward for us. We've actually taken that a different way now where we've been able to take that away as we go forward, added silicon hairsprings. Uh, so what you'll find is a very, very strong 44-hour power reserve movement in not about 70% of the collection, which are anti-shock and anti-magnetic. Um, and so what you're finding really for a, a base movement is we're just building the entire structure of what Zodiac will be built on. And I think the way that I've described it is it's, it's the best of fossil uh, and have invested it for Zodiac. But I think in the end, we could also put it within Swiss versions of We've had it in fossil in the past. It wasn't exactly the same movement, but it had the same name, same as what Etta or Valjou might be. They've got different levels of complexity or the materials that are built within it. But we have the best of us within this watch and this collection. And in the end, what could it be? It could you know, obviously be for us, but we could stretch out for other brands, not just within our group, but we could sell it within micro brands as well, which has been done in very, very small ways. Um, but yeah, for you, for the, for the viewers and the listeners, it's just hopefully going to stand us in good stead so we can grow properly we've got a comment from todd who uh who usually joins us on the live stream he said rolex omega and grand seiko are well known for their respective design language what does zodiac consider their design language it depends on the era in, in my again very very brief experience but i would also i would always go back to what we did in uh 1953 with the seawolf in, in 1953, us, Glycine and Blancpain came out with the world's first commercially available dive watches. The year after that, there was a small brand called Rolex, which did okay. Um, but the idea of what we did here was doing it better, doing it first, went deeper. And I would say that the modern Zodiac era has a lot to be said about what we did here with the shark tooth numerals, uh, the text, the script. Um, it all is very, very traditional to Zodiac. I would also say, though, 70 years before the seawolf there were some brilliant watches which have you know we've been able to to buy some through ebay yeah, we're hunting them as well we want to have a look through the archives and we found uh moon phases you know they were the, the calame family that owned the brand for over 100 years you know, it was pocket watches it was their own calibers it was um power reserves all these really traditional way of doing watches in the late 1800s early 1900s um and we did all kinds of watches when you go past the Seawolf stage, which went obviously to the aerospace, the GMT, and, and it was still quite similar to the dive watches. In the 60s, we came out with some cases, which like I'm wearing now, which are like this. This is one of the vintage um, Olympus with that Manta dial and a Manta case. And then when it came to the point where Omega were going to the moon, um, we were building things like the mystery dial with the orbiter and the astrographic. Um, there, were, there were a lot of different eras which kind of define us, I think, We've all got quite short memories. And for the last 30, 40 years, I don't think Zodiac was handled brilliantly. Um, and even to the, the early days of fossil owning, it didn't quite know what it had in its hands. But there were some very clever people out there that said, look to your past and it will take you to the, to, to the to now and to the future. So Seawolf, um, obviously we've got the world timers, but the, the case shapes of this uh, manta ray case, the astrographic are brilliant. And there'll be some more coming out in the next couple of years, which kind of go back to that as well. So long story again short hopefully it's more about which era just defines the brand for you for now it's looking to the 50s and 60s yeah you actually jumped on one of the questions we had sent to us which was 
Zodiac has, fo has focused a lot on their current Seawolf. Uh, do you anticipate other new models? And he has actually asked for the Astrographic, also known as the Mystery Dial, is yeah. a pretty prominent model from the history. He's also said, I'd be curious if the Seascape, which is a bezel-less version of the Seawolf, looks a bit like a version of the Explorer might ever make a comeback. Uh, that one, that one's got no plans just yet, but it is killer. Um, we've got a designer here called Ryan, who's an absolute nut for the vintage side of it all. Um, and yeah, I've seen some of the pictures around his desk for that particular model. I don't see that. I just and also, you've got to think that when we first came out with this iteration of the brand, there wasn't a Sea Wolf; it was the Sea Dragon, uh, which is way before Marta. And they had the Grand Rally, which was Quartz. So there's there's lots and lots of ways that say what we're doing now. But even for a few years before this we were still discovering what was right. And then it was the Seawolf or the Super Seawolf is what we have to call it now, is what's really helping us spur on people's ideas of where we've been and where we're going. For the Astrographic, we celebrated 50 years of it a few years ago, obviously before my time. 2015, we had a very large square version of it. And I wore it and wind up in Chicago last week just for the what is that thing on your wrist conversation. And it's great. It, it really is. It's got something really unique, magical about it. And what I like is that some of the people might have tried, or the brands might have tried to do mystery dolls or have the mystery dolls, but it's quite nice to know that we had it within our back catalogue a lot longer than what people give us credit for. But it will come back. But for this year, no. For next year, probably not. No. Um, but it will definitely come back. It's just too exciting to not. Yeah. I mean, isn't it, isn't it, Mike, you know, as a newer watch collector for me, I've noticed a lot of the, you know, the real heritage brands, the brands that have provenance have been around for a while. They they have a model they stake their flag in, right? Yeah. Like this is the model Great. and everything else works outside, you know, you work outward from that, you know, people can say, you know, inductive versus deductive reasoning, whatever. But I can just tell you when I did the article reviews on the Super Seawolf, the one that me and my wife and my buddy have, you know, which we're three total. Oh, well, which no, thank brilliant. you, Mike. I appreciate it. Um, we all have very different tastes. My wife's very refined. You know, she's real down to earth. She's a teacher. She works her tail off. Um, right. And then my buddy, you know, T at Life Watch and Life Doing, he he's out there surfing and all that stuff. And I'm just an old guy who takes fancy pictures of watches and likes to read books. Um, but there's something about that Super Seawolf style and, and design that I thought it was just crazy that three distinctly different people each like similar things about the timepiece, but also vastly different things and I, it just dawned on me when i was doing all that research and stuff it's like okay this would be the one that they would plant their flag in and, yeah, and, and i'll be quite quite honest to make some cash right in order to fund those other projects and to have a what is it a proof of concept that we have a customer base coming to us and now we can expand and see what more we can get i, I mean that's just as an outsider looking. No, I'm, I'm completely with you. The, the funky thing is, though, obviously, the Super Seawolf is what we have to call it nowadays because right, we lost the IP. No, no, for the, we, just, just yeah. for any viewers, we lost the IP for the word Seawolf. It's with another brand, beginning with B. Um, but that, that's, that's a, a really lovely thing to at least know. You know, they had some vintage guys that were asking, why don't you call it the Seawolf anymore? We just were mishandled during the 90s and we lost it. But the Super Seawolf has different elements. So you've got the skin, the compression, We've got the 68, which is that very large oval-shaped dive watch. And then obviously we've got the Super Seawolf Pro Diver. So the Seawolf or the Super Seawolf lives within the majority of the brand, uh, especially now. But it will Mike, continue to grow. Why don't you bring out a model called the Super Navi Timer then and get your own bank? That's way, way, way above my pay grade. But I think mm. you should do that for a Ricky Scottish Watches 
Let me see the edition <laughs> called Bodiac. Let's do Bodiac. Bodiac. <laughs> and, the but, Bodiac Lavi timer. But you know what, though? For, to, to their credit, they, they, they saw what was cool, a good name, and they did it. It was just, but it, it's part of the story. As long as people didn't know that we gave it away or it was bought off, it was just, you know, 80s and 90s for all these watch brands. They just sometimes didn't look after it well or the custodians didn't oh. look after it. Look at Zen. They've got dibs on Navi Timer as well as the B. So, yeah, yeah. happens. Yeah. No, I, I, but I also like the, the fact that they went Super Seawolf. I was like, we're still keeping yeah. it, but I, this is good. Ultra kind of like Seawolf. Absolutely, yeah. No, I'm, I'm chuffed with it. I and mean, if you look at the... I've got like six watches down here and I come into the office all the time. I think, I think we're getting it right, but I do agree, Jason, that and it goes back to that word core. Uh, and it, again, it's not a word that maybe the Fossil Group would have used before because it's so seasonal and it changes with its colours. But for the core, I think if you look at Seawolf skin, you look at the, the compression, the Pro Diver, the Olympus, and then you've got the, uh, the World Timer GMT range. That's a really good base for where we're going. I've all, and I've said to a lot of the, the retailers that I would love to, to be part of this ever-growing journey is we have got a lot of growing to do, but this is where we're going to stand from. STP is a big part of that conversation. And then as we go on through 2023, we'll be guided by the viewers, the, the, the fans, and we have to listen to them. And I think that's quite lovely that we have an American-based team and then we've got the Swiss uh, where we, we, we're making them all but we can look from outside eyes as well. So it's, it's an exciting future. We'll have some bumps in the road. There will be some colours that not everyone loves, but also there's going to be those guys and girls that think, actually, that suits me. I'm in. So, and we, and we, we, won't, make, we won't make many. This year, actually the start of last year, we ended up making and selling 6,000 watches, which I know when Ricky and I first spoke, you couldn't believe that we only made that few. Um, what, we, what I can tell you now, Ricky, is that with the push and the, the support from the guys upstairs, by the end of next year, we could get to 10,000 watches, um, which, still, which still means that we can look niche. But what it can do, which is for me the most exciting part, is we can be in more stores because digital partners that we've got are incredible at this buzz. And this is why Wind Up and Worn and Wound events live were so important and why Red Bar is so important. But we still need tactility. People have to go, well, it's the $1,200 watch. Is it any good, really? Well, come and have a feel. It's at your local retailer just down the road. We don't have too many of them right now. But with that increase in, in numbers, we get a chance to really bolster that. Well, that's interesting because you would think with, with Fossil being the owner, they have such a... I mean, there's a Fossil store in most malls, isn't there, at the moment? It's a, you would think that they could distribute them alongside the Fossil watches, or is it just a completely separate... Yeah, completely different. I've had a lot of people and they've come, and I, I think I did it as well. It's, like, well, it's owned by Fossil. I'm like, well, do you think that way about Breguet? Because they're owned by Swatch Group. Like, I don't think that we're anywhere near that, but that that's the best of them. Uh, Omega and, you know, the co-action movement, meta testing. Mm -hmm. That's not what they do within Swatch. Well, up until very recently with the Moon Swatch. But to the, to the point is, you know, that group is not, you know, decided by, you know, just who owns it or that watch is not decided by who owns it. And neither should we be. So we just have to be the best of it. And we have huge distribution avenues because of Fossil, Michelle, you know, all the different fashion brands and licensing brands that we have. But this won't really work too, uh, won't work everywhere. It needs that, that right storyteller behind the showcase or at the keyboard or like you at the microphone. So we need those partners and they have to be strategic. Uh, right now we're in 25 retail partners. That does include some of the online ones. That's it for the world. Whereas you've got wow. some of the big some of the big boys that are out there and they're in 150 retailers in every country. Um, and we've sold out everything through that. 
So when you know Ricky and I would speak in this you know, one great store in Scotland, there could be one store in Florida where you are, Sam, or you know. But we don't have to have twenty stores in each state or each um, county for the UK. We have to find the right partner, and then we can make sure that we have the right amount of stock to replenish the core. And every time we do a limited edition, every store gets one or five or ten. Um, but we, you know, we'll grow accordingly. Um, but for for me to be able to say that you know we now made you know good 500 of these in the first batch and that will continue within the core that's brilliant because we can cater to people's demands and if it sits in the core or in a case i'm okay with that because people are going to discover that alongside the arrest of the collection but we've not done that for, for the longest time uh, if ever in this modern iteration of zodiac so it's time to do it well, I'm amazed that it was it was six thousand because there's I think there's probably still companies that consider themselves micro brands that produce about that. I know. Well, six thousand is like a, a rounding error for fossil. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're ever that side of the room, yeah, on this side, no, really. But I mean, <laughs> for them to get to this point is grand. But um, I uh, I miss going to STP when I was in the UK, but I'll go back. But it was at the same time that the Warn and Wound guys had flown over there after Geneva. And the thing that they took away was, that, you know, it's great, it's white-coated, it's Swiss, it's everything that it needs to be, and it's great to see Zodiac being made. But then the other side of the room, it's empty space because it is ready to grow. Like, it's primed and ready. But the guys upstairs who do control, and the girls who control the purse strings, uh, strings is they will only release that, that potential if we see the needle moving. And that means, and the, because it's a, it is owned by a big company, we can have all the love and the, the romance in the world, but they want it to grow appropriately, but they also need to make sure when they invest, they invest for the right reasons. And there's the other side to this as well, which I love probably, I said this to Ricky on, on Scottish watches. This is not there to make fossil money. They make their money from the brands that I'm surrounded with right now, but this can be the best of them. And so the reason why we can make this at $11.95 US dollars, where an in-house movement with that kind of heritage should be a lot more, is traditionally more, is because we want to fill a space within a market which isn't there right now. Um, we want to be different. We want to be someone's first watch. But I think more than anybody, I want to be one of I want to be part of someone's collection. I think that's a better place for us to be, because if you have, you know, maybe not Ricky's collection, but some of the people that are listening right now, then you could you can go with Seiko to Rolex or, or Breitling or, or Panerai. But within the color palette that we've got and the history that we've got, this would sit just about in anybody's proper watch collection. But it won't really offend anybody in the wallet, especially in today's day and age. And then you got a proper watch for not a crazy amount of money. Hopefully, that's what that's the yeah. goal. It's a really smart concept, though. I mean, it's a that's a basic military concept, right? You probe, you take a look where weaknesses are, and that's just the market, right? No, and and, and it's not a that's bad true. thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a bad thing. If uh, if I was gonna build a watch, why would I build a watch in the five thousand dollar market? I would, I would get annihilated unless I came up with the world's most perfect watch, right? Yeah. And if you can if you can provide something at a price point that gives you quality. I mean, I'm just telling you as a newer watch collector, I appreciate that because I'm not breaking the bank. And, and, and I'll be brutally honest, if I have a little splurge, well, I'll tell you what, a splurge at that price point is a lot different than a splurge at four grand. Yeah, well, and, and it's all relative as well. I mean, what someone spends yeah. on their watches is, or cars or houses, it's all about what, what your income is, but also what you might save up for. So there's, there's all those, those arguments and concepts. But I do think between $895 to nothing really over 2000 apart from the titanium, You've got a really good collection there. You've got a really good brand and it's only going to get better. And I think we all know that when, when some of the collectors really understand where the brand has been in terms of its heritage and they see proper growth and direction and understanding of the brand, they'll follow you and they'll be very loyal. 
Uh, and that's why I've been doing so many podcasts and I've been sending watches to the people that I think have to understand it. For example, when I was just in Chicago, people come up to me and they're looking at the name and I, I know something about this. And they, they only know their own bullet points of what they think the brand is. But the more and more people that understand heritage history, you know, what happened in the 80s, 90s to most brands, to what we're doing now, the ownership, uh, the custodianship, it all has to make sense. And if you ever see me in any of these shows, I've brought vintage, I bring core, I bring STP pieces of the movement, just so we can kind of piece it together because we all want to have faith in the brand we're buying into. But I wouldn't have joined the brand if I didn't think it was going in that direction. And I don't think this team and the guys and girls upstairs would be doing what they're doing if they didn't think they had something special. But it is going to be a process. Um, but it, it again, they should look quite fun as well with it. So we're there. Yeah. By the way, Ricky, that is a Dallas T-shirt you're wearing right there. Is it? The Gas Monkey is right. It's about yep. 20 minutes from this office. Is it? Nice yeah, one. if you want anything, let me know. Oh, I might <laughs> pick you up on that idea. Yeah. It might get stuck in customs. Though. Oh, God, <laughs> don't, don't you dare. <laughs> the yeah. bane of my life. I am so sorry. That's okay. Got another, got another question from uh, Todd in the audience here. He's asking, any chronographs on the horizon... Uh, he, Todd's a huge collector of vintage, well, of mechanical chronographs, yeah. uh, Seiko, etc. Well, With STP, do you think there's any chronographs on the horizon? So there are. There, there will. We can just say, there will be uh, a, a chronograph coming later on in the future. And I said this with the, uh, Todd with the movement conversation. STP right now, we, we're doing what we're doing with STP 1-11. Well, three-hander. Then the next iteration in terms of making it STP will be with GMT. Then with chronograph. But that's down the road. For our first chronographs, we're going to get the, I think we're going to do with you, Silita. I think it makes sense for the price point we want to stay within. And it's a workhorse for it. Design-wise, it will be brilliant. I know that I've seen a couple of concepts of what will be coming way later on down the road. But in terms of uh, movements, I think you've got to understand with this brand as we grow, we will put the right movement to get the price point. And then if that works the way that we do, for example, with some of these types of watches, the aesthetic doesn't change. But the swan neck conversation we had, we took it away. The movement changed. Prices didn't. But it became, a, in some ways, a better movement for what this price point determines. But we also have to prove that this watch can sell. And then we can get the, I mean, it is a lot of money to develop a chronograph. That's the next big step for STP. They can do it, but we have to give millions of dollars for it. So why not do the right watch for a couple of grand, do it with a movement that befits it, that is going to work with it, and then you can grow and be better. But it won't make it any less, uh, more, or less or more special. And, you know, that goes back to that conversation we had before. It's not just about the movement. It's the right movement for that watch and how you surround it. Um, but I think with all of these watches, they're all still going to be, they're not going to be a, a Daytona move. It's not going to be an in-house uh, Richard Mill. I mean, this is, a, this is supposed to be a beast to keep going. And as long as I think the collector community understand that and that we're going in the right direction, I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's fiscally right as well, but that's not massively important. But I do think it's right to grow. Thanks yeah, for the question. Another question we got sent in was, uh, a comment about the the super seawolf saying that it seems to largely dominate the the zodiac range now uh, the question is uh, 30 watches that you can currently buy from zodiac 20 over 20 of them are variations of the the super sure. seawolf so the, i guess the question is it, it, are you are you going to see some separation in the line or really is is the 
the Seawolf. It, obviously, it's the marquee watch, yeah. but are you looking to broaden? We talked about some different ones, but are they going to be like one-off or are you looking to introduce new lines in the range? To Yeah, and again, that goes to the... I think it's a, a valid, confusing point for us all to understand that the Seawolf skin, Super Seawolf skin 53, then there's the compression version in this side. The biggest part of the collection is going to be what Ricky's wearing or what I've got here. That's yeah. the compression. And there are a lot of those colours. I think that, that 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 those three models there are great. The confusing thing that goes from there is then you have the Super Seawolf Pro and then you have the 68. But if you break it down, 39 millimeter, 40 millimeter, the 68 is obviously a different shape and a lot larger. And then the Pro Diver of 42 millimeter. They share similar names. There are a few iterations in color. I agree, I agree it's quite a, a big one, but then when you go hopefully into the stores when they, we get to open them some more, you will see there are two versions of the World Timer, two versions of the GMT, three versions of the Olympus. So there are more stories to tell. I just think we've also a, maybe a victim of our, as, of our success with doing limited editions in those colorways. But I do think it will start to then bookend with some really lovely stories that would be more vintage feel or more from the 60s and 70s feel that may be different stories like Astrographic, like Seacron. Um, those three, those stories will come in, but it will be done at the right time. Um, but if it, if this, if these particular pieces aren't maybe for you right now, or you'll think there's too many, there could be a colour iteration, but I don't think that's just how we're going to pigeonhole ourselves. It's just we're growing to the right place, and this right now seems like the right way to go. That, is that fair? <laughs> yeah, no, that certainly answers the question. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. Just see if there's any other questions coming in from the... I don't know what that is. I wonder if the watch designers use the golden ratio. It's a mathematical equation. Oh. Yeah, you got the That's wrong person here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My face definitely doesn't match up to the golden the golden ratio. That's all right. This, this, this is a lot of questions for you, Mike. How have mm -hmm. things been since you joined the company? Have you managed to change the way the guys think or have you introduced a lot of new ideas that they're taking on board? Because up until you joined, I didn't hear much about Zodiac ever. I only heard about them when they had a limited edition, and then it was like a firework going up, boom, and then it was a black sky until the next well, one. But now we're constantly hearing about it because you've come on board. Well, I think I think 15, 16 years in the industry, you get to, like I said this from the, the first minute, you get to have really lovely friends who you trust, and they have to trust you, and uh, that's been great. So I've leaned on my relationships within the in the industry. There's a gentleman behind me who would sit behind that banner. His name's John. Uh, TJ who we've mentioned who was given the task we've got Ryan in design there's marketing they had all the ingredients it was just tightening it together and focusing it these watches were coming out way before I was joining the brand but maybe the core collection wasn't as tightened maybe some of the storytelling wasn't as direct as it should be so I just think they've added some really really good ingredients and I, I'm, a, I'm a part of that and I TJ's great he's just like you have the mouth use it so <laughs> i'm just getting out there and hopefully the stories will be consistent and then if someone like yourself i mean you didn't know about it and dave obviously uh, wasn't a massive massive proponent to the brand before and by the end of our podcast together he was like okay i like it this is good and we've had some decent chats since then but the idea from from a lot of our, our friends have been like that it, it doesn't take much for our switched on community to see genuine progression and maybe we just weren't talking about it well enough but i don't think it's just me i think we've just they've just added ingredients to help i've just been the vocal point about it so humble so humble yeah. i mean it, mat it matters though mike i mean i'm telling you oh, right now like like I i've talked we've had conversations me and sam on the side and stuff and it's like 
to be able to hear an honest opinion about what's going on. And I don't really dig the term transparency because I don't need to know your inner business workings. I could, you know, I could care less, make your mm -hmm. money. Um, I understand it's a business, but to hear like, hey, this is where we're at. This is what we're trying to do. We're not going to jump out a hundred yards and, and, you know, screw ourselves. We're going to take this incrementally. We're going to build on this and we're going to build a foundation that matters. Well, yeah. I can get behind that because I mean, that's what you do in life, right? Yeah. Any military team does that. You don't, you don't go do advanced tactics when you don't know how to clean your, your rifle, right? Like you just don't do it. You're going to get a bunch of people killed. And I know it's not the same thing of watchmaking, but no, but we will get hear... beaten up on Twitter very badly. Yeah, <laughs> from 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 a bunch of Monday morning quarterbacks. That's it's a very exactly. American term, but you live in Dallas, so you should or Texas, you should understand that by now. But Definitely. my point is just that it's 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 nice to hear. It's uh, I think it establishes a, a precedent or sets some. I don't know whatever term you want to use, but we've got to put good habits in. We need yeah, good habits, and it, it yeah. sets some expectations. Like this is a series of steps. And we yeah. will eventually get there. You know what I mean? Well, we had, we had um, Cost, uh, Coaster. I keep saying it like it's Costa Coffee, Ricky. But it's Coaster. Uh, what, the founder of Fossil. He came into the, the Zodiac suite just behind me to the right. And he, he's just brilliant. Like, he doesn't have hands-on. He's, like, he's got a lot of trust. But he's just, I want this to be the best of us. And so to see that type of level of executive who has built, you know, a huge empire, um, especially in terms of the Fossil, uh, the fossil side, but he wants this to be really well done. So when I send him the podcast that I might have done with Ricky, he listens to every single minute of it. Um, oh but uh, I know I didn't send him any outtakes, so we're fine. But everything, everything. It was a good podcast. Thing, thank you. Okay. It was, it was fun. Uh, but every single one of them, big or small, like Ricky's obviously up there with one of the biggest, but I try and speak to everybody like that the same. And it was the same when we were in San Francisco for wind up or some of the stores that I've been able to go to, or even just some of the phone calls uh, or the one-on-one -on -one comments with Instagram. I don't think anybody is as important as anybody and everyone's got a question for a reason. And if we keep that mindset at this front forward facing one, we can be honest and we can grow. It will get to the point where we might be a few more people and we might lose to it happened with Vermont, you know, you, but you still have to keep those core values there. Um, but I still believe that those relationships will stand you in good stead because someone like you, Jason, especially with your background, you will tell a thousand people on your, or however many followers you got, but in, in person, you will tell everybody a genuine relationship with myself and what this watch means to you. And you have your own ways, like you said, with your review. And I think that's the best part of it. If we can get this first pick going, this enthusiasm that I have can like feed into your types of personalities, get the watch and go, actually, bloody good for the money. And then from there, at least it yeah. kind of it kind of starts to have its own momentum, and then you have the collectors, and that's what vintage uh, Zodiac collectors have. They have that love for what was, and now they're starting to say, actually, I think you guys are going in the right way. Let's let's stick with this. It could be something quite cool, and we'll you know we'll keep looking back to the past um, for some of the models, and you know we'll just keep trying to get better as a brand. But yeah, thank you. Well, yeah. so the Fossil Group, is there any other brands? They've obviously you've mentioned have so many individual brands underneath them and the white label for other organizations. Yeah. Is Zodiac the only mechanical watch company that they have or are there any other siblings? Well, they tried to do, fo well, they did do Fossil Swiss and it did really well monetarily. I mean, it didn't really stick with our community, but I think there's something there. Uh, uh, some of the brands that were licensed like Burberry and Armani, they have a Swiss selection on there. But I think design-wise, maybe it wasn't within what we we know of 
But I think there's potential within some of these brands as well, because if you look at you know, Armani suits and how it's cut and where the design is, I don't think it's too far away to get in a watch that suits it. It just might have a disconnect right now in terms of how that type of designer would look at a watch. So as this team grows here and the movements get better, as long as we keep the story going within a Armani Burberry, for example, and we do that movement that befits that design, I think it could work. But again, I think if we get this bit right, this brand right, then within our house, we can then start to spread that STP going. I do think, though, that there's a lot more brands on the outside that might see that the movement works for a brand like us, and then they won't have to be beholden to Salita or Etta. And, you know, they're amazing, but they're just busy. They're just really, really busy. So yeah. my question was, is there any other brands within Fossil Group that are like Zodiac? No. No, thanks. But I, yeah. but I do think it's important that, that we did try it. And it just, it's just not stuck. No, I just wondered if they'd maybe got a hold of maybe something from the past and they'd brought that back if there was a sister brand. But, you know, no. just I was curious because I forgot to ask that when you were on our show. About yeah, two days correct. ago. And it also means you're getting all the attention. It's not like it's split between lots of different groups. Like King Seiko, Grand Seiko. Yes, but also they'll they'll um, <clears throat> they'll make the mistakes like we did in the early two thousands. So you know we're going to live through that, and you never know in the future. But we have to get this right. I mean, I had a couple of the different executives from the different bigger brands that are still maybe more of the fashion side that said, "Would you want to come and have a chat with us about what you think here for this type of direction?" I said, "I have no time. This has to be full focused, and this is what I mean. I do get paid by Fossil, but my job is only Zodiac, and so are all the people that are around me here, and that's really good." It, I mean, I had two days ago, um, TJ, he's my direct supervisor. He's like, we have to do this corporate thing. We have to write down your goals for the future. And that was the first thing I thought about. What if we could bring in other brands or, or help other brands that maybe have failed in the past or maybe have gone to sleep and they need a little reawakening? That could be way down the line. And I'm 41. You know, I'm still young enough to really have this enthusiasm. But for right now, I could see this being whatever the future could be in terms of and how long it might take. But I think it could be. It could be it could be all all I need. Well, uh, and that's how I feel. When you're talking about some of these big label brands like your Armani's and whatnot mm -hmm. that, that the parent company deals with, Ralph Lauren utilised GLC movements in some yeah. of their watches of the past, which were fantastic and potentially, like you say, you could be utilising Zodiac technology or SDP technology as a higher up version of something in the future. So yeah, the door's always open. I think that's yeah. it. But they've they've just got to see it upstairs, and then if we can put a plan in place and. You know, that STP facility and Antima where the watches are built, like, there is space. So they could do it, not just for us, but they've got the Zodiac logo emblazed on the side of that building for a reason. And they want it to shine bright. So, I mean, just outside the window, you've got the Cartier Gold Factory and you've got, you know, the crown just down the road. So that's just, for me, I just want to, I want to walk before we run. Yeah, but I, yeah. do, I, do, I do see that when I talk to my, my direct supervisors, because it, it could be anything. They've got it all here. Like I said, the pieces are right. Good question there. Yeah, I think the movement story is really strong. And I think that that should be more at the forefront, because I think that's one of those movements where you have to research to understand it. But yeah. boy, if you yeah. could, if, if, if we suddenly heard that there was a, an Armani watch to really pay attention to, that would be quite the turnaround. I think for that brand, that would be, that would yeah. be quite yeah. the, uh, quite but the it's story. A, it's, yeah, it's a two lane road, Sam, right? Like, I mean, you have to, the short story would be explaining the movement to people like us, right? Because the average everyday, you know, customer doesn't probably care. They just know it's Armani, hey, right? Tim. They dig Armani, you know, they're probably like, yeah, it's going to work. But if you get the word out that 
this movement is this, this is where it comes from, and it's in this watch. Well, now the average customer who likes Armani, his or her buddy's like, yo, it's got that STP movement in it. Yeah, I bet so. That's a like, way away, but could you imagine? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. and, 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 that's, and that's what it is, because when my buddy went to buy his first watch and it happened to be the Zodiac that we all three have, I knew about the STP movement. I was able to tell him about that in the store, and I was like, I was like, bro, you got to, because he loved how it looked. I'm like, I can tell you right now that the inside is just as good as the outside, if not better. I found an older, oh, God, sorry, Ricky. I was going to say there's a number of watches out there in the micro brand sphere that utilize STP. I got one a couple of years ago. It was the Hampton Neo, and it's got a clear case back, so you can pop it around. And I was looking at this thing thinking, Jesus Christ, this thing is well punching above its price range. It was decorated, a custom rotor. It looked really sweet, and nobody really talks about STP. I don't think we've done. We haven't used them. Sorry, Um, sorry, Michael. Is there so prod? Is it? Is it so prod? Is the name of the the movement manufacturer? That's a different movement. Yeah, different. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I would just say I don't think we've marketed it well enough, uh, or Mm. at least we've got we've kind of get to the point where. I think we had some kinks to work out within it as well. If you look through some of the blogs, some people will say, what is it? Is it good? Is it bad? I think at the beginning, it was, it was befitting of some of the price points, but I do know that STP 1-11, same as when you find some of the, the references from Etta and Salita, they do have different levels of quality and ours have got better and better. And in October, November, at the end of this year, nice thing for you to see, we will upgrade it again and for some of the models uh, and it won't change anything. It'll just be for us, the fact that we can build it to a better standard. Uh, and that will go towards as we go, f- and that will go into the movement and the, to the models going forward. But again, it has to be um, done at the right time because if we slip, then it will just slip us back. So it, 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 it's right as we're doing it. But Ooh. I speak to the STP people out, you know, we have a, a, co- a call them every week and that conversation does come up. So if you're out in Las Vegas or you're out in Chicago, I said, are there any brands that are looking? And I'm like, I'm not going to push it yet until I know we can facilitate what my growth and our growth with Zodiac will be. Something to say there on the fact you've mentioned that there are upgrades to the movement. That's not to diminish the movements that are out in the wild just now. Because 100%. if you buy a Speedmaster today and it goes in for service in three years, they will change certain parts of it for newer versions and they won't tell you about it. It doesn't mean there's a problem. It just means they found a slightly better way. Yeah, or, or a better material. Uh, I mean, it's all, it's all like that. I mean, you can find in, in all iterations of cases as well when a watch goes in for service. You know, parts are a problem. Some some tubes won't fit. Certain, so there are certain changes. My thing is that we always have to be transparent. To your point, Jason, I do like that word when it's honest, uh, when it's yeah. when it's coming out. So when it when it does change, I think we should celebrate it. It means we're getting better. But yeah. again, it, yeah, thank you, Ricky, for pointing that out. It's not to be a, dis, a disrespect to what was, or it's not uh, taking it away. But we are as a brand learning every day. Yeah, it's a military thing too. We do it all the time. I mean, that's just common knowledge. I'm not giving away any secrets here. But like back in the Back in the day, there was one ship class that was so good. They made a smaller ship class version of it, and then they made a bigger ship class version. But it was literally the same ship that they took half the stuff away. Mm. They put a little bit more room on there and gave it more capabilities. And as that ship, those ship classes progressed, they put, you know, they'll pull this, put something new on. They'll pull this, put something new on. And then even in the same class of ship, you can have totally different material based on when it was updated and stuff. And that happens everywhere. So it's important that Ricky says that because a lot of times I think that the average person just thinks, oh, that means it sucks. It's like, no, we have something better. We owe it to our customer base to improve that. But then also I think the communication comes on board, like whoever's doing the improvements. If they told you that when you picked your watch up, they were like, 
hey, just so you know, we have this upgraded movement made with this material that operates a little bit better. It's going to pr prolong the life of your timepiece than the customer to be like, yay. But the problem is, is that a lot of times the companies and the people doing the work don't tell you anything. Yeah. And then you get all this conjecture and you're left open to discussion and stuff. But so they do that yeah. for a reason. They do that because people have got it in their mind. Vehicle recalls, a part needs changed. Or you'll have people that will pop onto a forum and say, I got my watch back and it was noted in the service details that they changed a wheel or a whatever. And everyone that's got the older one thinks, well, I want the new shiny. So it can, <laughs> it can go both ways, you know? Yeah. 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 But, but the best part about what we do in terms of that kind of conversation is we only make batches of when we do small we, we back in the day we we're doing 100 200 300 well 82 182 we do it in 82s um but for this particular version of this we're making 500 that's the first time we've done that since the world timer of that type of level of, uh, of of production for a particular model which is what we'll do so we have to gear up now so when we are building better or building more that the movements are sound throughout it all uh, and so it, it it is again about doing it appropriately in, in the right time but yeah, I completely agree with the point. So if um coming coming near the end now, it's it's been fantastic having you as a guest, Mike. But if, a, if maybe somebody's on the fence about a zodiac and they want to see one or want to get their hands on one, what's the best way of doing it? Is it to go to one of the watch shows that you attend or it's tough because like I said, we're so we're so few and far between in terms of retailers. Um, I think a lot of the people that you might buy it from, you know, they they're very trusting. Some of the retailers we have right now, say in the US. Um, you know, they, they might want you to, you can have a conversation with the owner. I wouldn't want to do their business for them. But, you know, have a look on some of the forums, have a look at some of the collector groups, some of the red bars out there, see if anyone's got them, maybe meet up that way. Um, but you never, you, I mean, I had a guy who I met, he actually just, there's another, another desk around the way. And he went to meet with his girlfriend to the middle of nowhere, Texas, 4,000 people in the town. And his girlfriend's dad, who had never met before, said, oh, I had a, I had a Zodiac from the military. Let me go and find it. So there's this iteration as well that you, like, you know, Jason, so well, there's a lot yeah. of people that would have it in their collection from when they were in Korea or Vietnam or even just from the PX in more modern days. You know, there's a lot of Zodiacs out there, but there's this iteration now. I think you will have to find a, a like-minded friend or, you know, if you are looking for a retailer, keep a look on our social media or, or even my social media. You'll see where we're going and who's opening. We're opening a few this year. Uh, I think we're going to be able to open five to ten in the U.S. at the very, very most. Uh, but in the UK, we could have one or two and not many, but at least there'll be a place to, to start from. But it'll get more have, and more. Do you have a list on your website for dealers, places to get it? Because it can be murder to find a Zodiac. We do. We do. It's a little bit hidden in the website, which I'd want to push a little bit further forward uh, or, or make it a, an easier thing to find. But it is on the Zodiac website. You can also always DM us. Um, you know, if, we know that it could be a, a bit of a round trip, but Americans don't mind a drive. Uh, so if you, if you want to shoot us a note, I'll find you the best retailer to go to. I mean, it was great because even in Chicago, there was people that didn't realize we had a retailer in the city, we got Seidel and Seidel. And it's because it's a small mom and pop store as well. Um, and sometimes you've got to seek out the retailers because we only know where to shop. You know, we know our local, but there could be that hidden gem that, that has believed in the brand and we believe in them as well. So yeah, the website's going to be the best place, but that still needs updates. That, that, that needs to be better, Ify. There's going to be one near me as well, you were saying. I don't know if that's a secret, but... Hopefully. In Orlando, there might be a really good retail. Well, it's all been said, you said yes, so we'll let you know when it's the right time, yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll announce it on the show. So if you're coming on holiday to see to see the sights of Orlando. 
Well, you've got uh, um, you've got Naples as well. You've got exquisite timepieces down there near you right now. So yeah, there's a few. I mean, uh, like I said, just shoot me a DM uh, at Mike Pearson Six. Anything you need, just if I'll always answer. I'm a nightmare, but send me a smoke signal. I will send it one back. So I'm a communicator, <laughs> always. Awesome. Well, any last questions, guys? Before we wrap it up. No, yeah. just thank you for both of your time, Mike and uh, Ricky. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, no awesome. I think there's a couple of questions just slipped in there. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. at the end. Actually, yeah, it's well spotted. Um, I heard a watchmaker say that old movements use, use better materials. Is it easier to machine softer metals? So nowadays they use surface treatment for hardness. I'm not sure if you can answer that. I don't know. Probably not my, 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 my wheelhouse. I'm not a watchmaker. I do know that when you look at some of the, the, the practices from cars and and uh, suit making or shoe making, you look at any kind of material, there's always, it was better back then, yeah. it was a little bit more. But in terms of how we machine things now, we can do things to, you know, the width of a hair, you know, is that there's a lot to be said about modern uh, machining. And we are always developing that way as well. But yeah. right and a, lot of those older, a lot of those older materials required like a much more staunch lubrication, maybe a lubrication or something that, you know, could be unhealthy for you now. So they've had to make changes to, to metallurgy and stuff like that in order to use newer. I mean, I'm just giving you ballpark stuff here, paraphrasing. Yeah. But a lot of times, like, you know, old material equals old ways to do something auxiliary to it to help it run. And as you improve materials or take different materials or you need you have different requirements, you have to update stuff. And then maybe you can't use the old material anymore, which I would, say, I would say Sorry. based on my very limited knowledge. And recently, I've been over in Switzerland having tours of different production facilities that there might be a disconnect between um, maybe more inexpensive movements, perhaps the Seiko line TMI or your entry level Myotas versus Salita, Eta, Soulprod, STP. Because when I was over there, it was obviously bigger companies like Armin Strom, Arage, THE Plus. And they were using cutting edge technologies and they were machining stuff down to like three microns of a tolerance. And what I remember from Michael Michaels on uh, Watchbox Studios back in the day when he used to do his watchmaker roundup, he said that people would bring in watches for service and all the wheels were so janky that they never really meshed properly and they would tear themselves apart so they would never last a hundred years. Um... So I think there's probably, it's not a unilateral thing across the board that all movements nowadays are cheaper and crapper to put together. It might be that the inexpensive movements are cheap. The ones that we obviously like in Swiss movements are far better. Yeah, It's why we love the watch industry, though, isn't it? I mean, there's so many ways to look at it. Old, new, is it better? What's the movement for me? It's still sort of all a good discussion. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's been fantastic. I'll end it there. Thanks, Mike, for joining us. Thanks, everyone, for watching us and being so active in the comments. And we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk Live. Thanks, everyone. Thanks Bye. for having Good us. Night.